This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And today, in our first episode for 2023, we're going to be discussing our plans, both interior house and interior mind, for the next few months. And we're going to have a look at some upcoming trends, what's in and what's out. Because while we all know that we shouldn't be slaves to the fickle world of fashion, and its trends. We all like to know what's going on, don't we? And Kate needs to know which shade of brown she's going to be picking next. (laughs) Oh, I'm going with chocolate. Or maybe almond. Or, mind you, I do quite like a nice slab of caramel. And actually, I have put toffee all over the spare room, so... Enough! Oh, my goodness, see what I mean? Anyway, we'll get into all of that later. I, meanwhile have been vision boarding. Now, this is something that I do every year to try and get me into the right headspace. Help me feel energised, motivated and positive about the year ahead because I don't know about you Kate but I struggle with January. Honestly every year I just feel so met. It's like I'm looking out my window now and it's lashing with rain. The branches are swaying around in the wind. The ground here in East Sussex is like a bog and so I have to do everything I can to feel uplifted and positive. And I'm going to try and bring some of those positive vibes to our listeners. I know we're rolling through into like mid-January by now, but honestly, I've still got this wintering vibe lingering. How about you? Well, it will not surprise you to know that I do not do a vision board. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I've, you know, I've taken to doing the odd mood board for my house, but a mind mood board, I've not done one. That said, you did make me think when you were talking about it. I have to have a new notebook. Oh, nice. On the 1st of January every year. Oh, I'm here for the stationery. Yeah, I'm always here for the stationery. And so I I do quite a lot of writing. So I, I mean, I think that's the difference between us, isn't it? You do it visually with pictures. And I think I saw a sneak peek of your mood board on Instagram, which I, as far as I recall, just said simply world domination. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for your big thoughts. <laughs> I would not presume to have a picture of me on a throne looking at world domination, but I might just write it down. (laughs) So I have pages and pages of of notes. And I guess it comes to the same thing. I mean, it's all a kind of jargon thing. And I I feel now I'm a bit old for this jargon. And I'm always getting cross with people talking about, you know, styling their mantelpiece when I just want to say, do you mean you just put something on it? And I think it's a bit... I've been reading a lot on Instagram. Oh, I'm going to cough. My word of the year, by the way. We oh, have yes, to have we do. Yes, we, mine is oh, cough. Oh, right. Yeah, mine's cough. Um, um, and, you know, 4,000 other words. But I was going to say, I reckon cough might be like a pseudonym for something else, but maybe we shouldn't go there. Yeah, oh, all right. Um, no, the point I was going to make was I, I keep reading this year a lot of people who are journaling and setting their intentions And I think, what is this nonsense of setting your intentions? And then I think, I suppose that's kind of what I'm doing by writing down 
my thoughts for the year ahead. I just don't use that jargon. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm a writer. So what? So like, I, I spoke to you on the phone the other day and I told you about my vision board and you were like, oh, I'm not doing a vision board. I'm just having a word with myself. I love that. I thought, <laughs> I imagined you taking yourself up upstairs, maybe somewhere in the attic with your new stationery and going, right, Kate Watson Smythe, let's have a little word with oneself, shall we? So what? Do you know what? <laughs> I have been having a word with myself since about November. I'll be honest. <laughs> Um, yes. and and it's been it's been a protracted word at times it's it's had elements of a row yes uh, there has been a heated discussion between <laughs> me myself and I and and I think we've now reached a point of compromise where we're all understanding you know what's going on and where we're going but it's 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 been a tough it's been a tough conversation <laughs> I've had to have this year I'll be honest. <laughs> Well, I think for me, when I did my vision board and I did a, I hosted a vision board masterclass, like a webinar, a live webinar earlier in the month. It's kind of tradition. It's something I always do. And I had really good signups for it, actually. I wasn't very optimistic because I just assume everybody's feeling like me and a bit bar humbug and wants to go back under the duvet. But there was a really good shout for it. And a lot of people wanting... Uh, when I asked people what, what sort of things they wanted to create for them this year, there was a lot of people just wanting to bring in posi- positivity, well-being, looking after oneself. So that seems to be the theme for me. For me, sometimes my vision boards can be quite ambitious. Oh, world domination. Is that one of your less ambitious ones then? Well, that is on. <laughs> that was my little push it one. But actually, when I look at the other words that I had, I've got words like friendships. I don't feel like I've seen enough people over the last couple of years and I've been a bit of a hermit. And I feel like I'm ready to come out. And I'm not just talking about old friendships that need to be rekindled, but making new friendships too. And I think we're in a, you know, our listeners here, the great indoors, you're our friends. You know, this is this is the thing. It's being connected with like-minded people. And I know something that we're both talking about, I can let this leak out now, is hosting some great indoors live events. So we can get connected in real life. We've all been online for so long. So that's one of my visions for this year. Connection, friendships, seeing people in real life. And I think that's quite a simple but really doable. But actually, I think it'll be a really lovely vision for 2023. I've got to say, I I have always had introvert tendencies. And while I would say I didn't suffer in the pandemic, I do now feel that I've got myself into a spot where I just want to stay in my house. And actually, my husband said something the other day about was the weather or the rain or something. And I said, no, I don't think it's been that cold. And he said, you never leave the house. <laughs> and I think so. So maybe I need to, you know, I need to have a word with myself. This is a word I did not have. Um, I, I need I need to get out more, literally, like an old lady. I need to go out. And do some real life seeing people. Well, I'd really love to know. I'd love some feedback on this from our listeners. Like, is everybody else feeling the same? Because, I mean, I've usually been quite gregarious and outgoing and people person, but I've definitely changed. You know, the pandemic and lockdowns has definitely made me more wanting to stay inside my house. But yeah, I feel like I'm ready to break out people. So yeah, I'd love some feedback on that if everyone else is feeling the same. But actually, you you mentioned a really interesting kind of new word. Having spent 20 minutes saying I'm against all the jargon and the new words, there is a new word. And you mentioned it at the beginning and, and it was wintering. And I think there's a book on wintering. And, you know, again, I've always said, oh, it's winter. I tend to hibernate, you know, and I very often don't go out in the evenings in winter because it's dark and it's cold. And I do 
tend to. I have always thought of it as hibernating. And I think it's this new word that's come out called wintering. And it's about, you know, Mother Nature overwinters and the plants, you know, die down and they fall back into the earth and they rest. And it's not, we're not supposed to be out there being bright and shiny and rushing around because we are wintering and restoring ourselves for the brighter months ahead. And I, that really resonates with me. I am definitely a winterer at heart. Yeah. Embrace it, right? Like, you you know, it's the short days, the lack of daylight. All of this is meant to make us withdrawal, isn't it? You know, I suppose before electric lighting, people would have just been in their caves around the fire at four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, that was... <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, and actually, you're right, Kate. Spring is the time where the days get longer, the new shoots, the new flowers. We all feel energised and actually setting intentions and goal setting. That's something I do at that time of the year. That's actually when I might start making some to-do lists. This time of year is not about the to-do list. This is why I like vision boarding. It's not putting any pressure on myself. It's just having a feel, putting the tentacles out and thinking, what do I want to create this year with no pressure to set goals or deadlines or measurable results? All of that. January is not the time for that. I'll save that for March, April. Well, that's interesting because I would never say that I was giving myself goals and time goals but I do I do sort of have to-do lists or to-do thoughts you know part of the the writing in the new book is very much I want to think about this and where I want to go with it and think about that so it's a kind of I suppose oh I have set my intentions I can't believe I just said that oh my god who even am I I'm gonna have to have another word with myself aren't I (laughs) sort out your jargon love Well, you've got loads going on this year, haven't you? And I know I will we'll catch up with that. But I want to show you something else on my vision board. I'm going to hold it up now for people on YouTube. Otherwise, it's on Instagram if you want to have a look at it. But do you see this one? Gardening. Uh, gardening. And what's and it's creative. I put creativity in gardening. Now, creativity always comes up for me. It's really important for me to feel positive, energised, motivated, is that I've got a creative outlet. But that's usually been explored in my house hasn't it? Ah, but you've done your house. Well, I kind of done my house as far as I can do it at the moment. The big conservatory uh, makeover that we did at Christmas is kind of like finalised that. So I've always been a bit scared of the garden because it's not my comfort zone. I don't know anything about gardening. I've got quite a big garden and it's always just felt really overwhelming. But you know what? I've thought, no, I'm going to take on some little gardening projects this year. It's also an opportunity for me to do it with my mum. Now, my mum has suffered over COVID and she's not been well and she's actually currently not even able to drive so she's become really isolated and I thought you know what if I do more gardening it'll be with her because she's going to need to teach me quite frankly so I thought that was a really lovely creative intention to get out of my comfort zone gardening doesn't make me feel comfortable find it quite terrifying but also have that lovely connection with my mum so that's a nice one, isn't it? Have you got any creative... Learning something new. I Well, I am... Do you know what? I am going to learn something new this year. Patience. <laughs> Stop. That's never going to happen. No, true. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this house has turned into a much bigger renovation project than, than we had planned. And, you know, we are doing it in a very impatient, quick fashion. And that, you know, as I've said before uh, in in previous episodes, you know, it kind of spiralled. We just didn't have any storage. And in order to build storage, we had to, you know, replace the floors and the radiators and it all sort of built itself up. So I am doing the renovation quickly. 
but I am trying to be patient about it and I have a tendency because I want things to be finished I have always been told you know I rush at things like a bull in a china shop and I'm trying to you know say actually I really want it done that way and I know it might take a bit longer but that's what I want rather than going oh god I'm so sick of making decisions just stick it there so we'll see how that goes I mean you know I'm I'm prepared to hold myself accountable here, but it, it, you know, we'll give it a go. <laughs> but you, you hit on something so perfect there for anybody who's renovating or fixing up. It's such an uncomfortable place to be, that transition when you've got the builders in or you've got the dust or you haven't got your systems in place. I love that saying. My husband uses this a lot. Systems in place, you know, storage, bookcases, wardrobes, things that help keep your life organised. And I could see from, you know, because obviously I knew your last home and it, you just got it perfect, hadn't you, Kate? You had just got everything exactly how you wanted it. And even though you've moved to a property which is, you know, it's not the most enormous fixer-upper, but you're having to get it working how you want it. You're having to do big jobs. Yeah, and I remember when you first moved, you were quite laissez-faire. You were like, I was like, oh God, aren't you really stressed and worried about the move? I was worried about you. And you're like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good. I've got my plan. And then I think slowly it's dawned on you, hasn't it? That that disruption to the to how well oiled our life feels because there are just snags and road humps all along the way even today printing off the script you're like well I haven't got my printer working and I think you posted something the other day that you wanted to make some curtains and the foot of your sewing machine's gone missing in the move and it's just all oh, don't even <laughs> three hours three hours I spent I saw the sewing machine box in my son's room he's gone off to art college and I thought brilliant I've got some leftover material I've bought the rods I'm going to spend the this afternoon making these cafe curtains for privacy so I unpack the sewing machine where's the foot pedal gone how many boxes are there in my son's bedroom 20 literally unpacked all those boxes while saying to myself patience have a word patience it was of course it wasn't the, the last box but it was about the 16th box and I then found within the box a massive box of cables and I was like yay I found the foot pedal I am not exaggerating 15 minutes of untangling cables to free the foot pedal from the tangle of cables, got it downstairs. I'd unpack the iron in the meantime, and I never iron when I'm sewing, so I was like, this is all part of the new me. It's patience, it's process. So I ironed the material, I then realised I couldn't find the pins, went to the shop, bought some pins, had a little lesson from the lady in the shop about how to thread the bobbin on my machine, all set, came back, plugged it in, turned it on, there's no foot on the machine. So it won't hold it. <laughs> I was messaging my son. I was going, you've gone off with my sewing machine foot. He was like, well, I'll bring it back. I'm like, brilliant. How soon can you be here? He was like, next week. So I have, because then I've bought another one. And I'm sorry, but I've bought another one on Amazon because I needed it in a hurry. Um, oh, sorry, I'm being patient, aren't I? I'm not waiting till next week. I'm ha this is an absolute delight to see how this patience is working out for you so far. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to behold. <laughs> time to move on now enough of this mood boarding and vision boarding well listen I'm just wondering whether we should finish with a little proverb because it's something I've jotted down I mean you're going to hate this because it's proverb well or or it's called a serenity prayer but you, oh, it's gosh. one of those fridge magnets saying yeah exactly you're going to hate it but I think it's very apt for where you are right now and it definitely gave me a handle on how I'm going to approach this year it says grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can 
and the wisdom to know the difference. Shall I tell you something about that serenity prayer? That is actually from a 17th century nun's prayer, which my gran had stuck on the loo all the time I was growing up and lived in her house. And I used to be able to recite it by heart, but that's essentially where it comes from. Grant me the wisdom to, I can't now, I'd have to get started with the top line. But that's what that is. So it's not a fridge magnet. It's a 17th century nun's prayer. (laughs) Well, your grand pinned it up in the downstairs loo, which is the original fridge magnet, (laughs) is it not? I feel like our Great Indoors podcast Facebook group has really taken a life on its own. It's been lovely to check in on loads and loads of people chatting about what colours they should paint their rooms that they're doing up at the moment. So it's lovely to see that, yeah, obviously people coming up with lots of New Year projects and adding new colours to their homes. I think it's a brilliant time of year for that. But I wanted to highlight one post, which has been getting lots of chatter and I'm personally loving, which is from Beth Ballard, who has just completed her kitchen makeover. She's got um, a little galley kitchen and it's yellow and it is an absolute joy to behold. She says she's Colour matched it to little greens. Now, how am I going to say this word? Is it... Giallo. Yellow? Yellow, innit? Giallo, cara. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's such a beautiful, bright, bonny yellow. She's got it on all the cupboard fronts. And this is what she says about it. The yellow changes so much with different lights. Sometimes really bright, sunny yellow. Egg yolk to a buttery yellow. And on dark nights, a mustard. Not everyone's cup of tea, but we love the colour. And I tell you what, Beth, so do our listeners. She's just got an absolute ream of comments from everybody absolutely loving it. I have to say, for anyone like me who's struggling with the grey drizzle outside, go and get yourself some bolly yellow kitchen love over on our Facebook group. I'll pin it to to the top of the posts. Well, that's interesting, isn't it, that she's uh, talking about colours and things and that's the chat, because obviously that's what we're going to talk about next. Trends. What's hot, what's not in 2023? Well, I think the biggest thing that our conversation I'm seeing across all the trend reports that are coming in is we're still having a war of the neutrals versus colour. So on one hand, lots of trend reporters are saying colour, 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 bright colour, happy colour, embrace the colour, you know, all of that, which I'm obviously here for. But then there's still the flip side, which is all this very off-white neutral beige what is clearly out and we've been banging this drum forever is the drizzly gray neutrals that is so gone we don't even want to talk about it in 2023 of course the irony is i've moved into a house which has gray carpet gray walls gray ceilings gray woodwork and i am eradicating it this is why to come back to our earlier topic of conversation my word patience is not going to work because i have to get rid of all this gray (laughs) (laughs) well i think we're just finding it a bit gloomy it's not giving the uplift it was very sophisticated. It was very calming, whatever. But we're definitely needing the colour of our decor to give us that uplift, that that sort of positivity. So I think you're going to see trends keep moving towards colours that have a little bit of joy. Uh, and the grey is not delivering that. You say that, though. I mean, it's interesting because I I have been asked a couple of times, as I'm sure you have towards the end of the year, for my sort of trend predictions. And the thing I felt that was coming through was less about what particular colours people were going to look at. But I felt it was very much we were looking at comfort 
And for me, that's about perhaps layering up different textures and different materials, you know, both soft furnishings and, and wood and antiques. And so I feel that perhaps... You know, we, we've spoken a lot on this podcast about the relationship to your mental health and the colours you surround yourself with and what works for you. So while, you know, I, I think everybody can choose their own colours and you're right, I think the colour has moved towards a warmer palette, definitely. So it's not now the sort of cooler greys and whites, but it might very much be, you know, warmer creams and and perhaps very pale yellows and then you see you come in with I looked at the John Lewis buying trends report for the end of the year where they said that white sofa sales have gone up by 48 percent white sofas I you can't speak that (laughs) (laughs) what there's a lot to unpack here. I white know. sofa. So, I mean, white sofa. So, for example, already white is quite a harsh colour. Cream is soft. Well, I think they probably mean ivory and cream, but 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 pale sofas. Considering dog ownership's apparently been on the up, 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 up. I'm amazed by that because they are high maintenance, aren't they, light coloured sofas? They are. I mean, did you see anything in the trends about boucle? Are we in or are we out with boucle? Oh, boucle. So, so for example, everything we're talking about, softness, warmth, the boucle trend has been feeding into all of that, hasn't it? And especially these kind of like round, curvaceous feature armchairs. And boucle is just, it's like a sort of bobbly wool, yeah. isn't it, for anybody who doesn't know what it is. And then we've seen it a lot in cream. I remember seeing it at, oh... Maison Objet quite a few years ago but now it's in the high street isn't it the high street stores have made it a lot more affordable but I've been having a little look at House and Gardens website who've done a brilliant little piece in fact we must put this in the show notes because it's quite a giggle they've called it 10 interior design trends we're quiet quitting in 2023 so this is not so much what's in but uh what they're quietly thinking is out. And they've put chill on the boot clay. It says, while it can exist in any colour, it's essentially one of those things that's inherently beige in essence. And it sort of epitomises what they call the all-white panic room. And there's something about seeing it everywhere that feels extremely unsettling. <laughs> I, yeah, and, I, and you make that point as well, which is which is why I think we always caution against, you know, slavishly following trends. Although it's interesting to know what the conversations are and what's out there. As soon as you said the high street's taken up boucle, that's the sign to all the people in interior fashion trends and, you know, magazines to go, oh, well, if it's on the high street, we're moving on, which is that permanent quest of of magazines and trendsetters to appear to be ahead of the crowd. So once it hits the high street, that's the kind of death knell for them and they will declare a new trend but it's just coming into the mainstream. Um, and I want to get into that a bit later with some of the Pinterest trends. But tell me more about what what are we quiet quitting or even loudly quitting? Well, the other one that I thought that you were going to like particularly, and again, it's something we've talked about a lot on the podcast because we're ahead of this, aren't we, Kate, quite frankly? I mean, we're even ahead of House and Gardens. <laughs> Open floor plans. Oh, yes. They're saying are out. We like a wall. Yes. It just, And I think, again, you know, you've talked about this, that open plan spaces while they look fabulous 
They give you the sense of space and light. When you actually come to live in them, as so many of us had to do more than we've ever done before, they're actually not all that practical. And uh, House and Gardens have something nice to say here. They say the most charming parts of the home are often the smallest spaces that we turn into something cosy, like the perfect breakfast nook. Yeah, I like that. So I thought that was quite an interesting concept, that we're embracing the cosy spaces. And I actually shared something on my Instagram earlier this month about my kitchen, because I've got quite a modest size kitchen but it's got a little kind of utility room off the sides which is really cramped but it's where I put all the unsightly stuff it's got the washing machine the tumble dryer it's got the toaster the microwave it's got my you know I do a smoothie every morning so I don't want to pack away my blender but I have it on the worktop but I don't want it in the main kitchen it's squirreled away in there the fridge is in there brilliant but so many people are like why don't you knock that wall down and like have a much bigger kitchen but all I would have gained would be more floor space and a whole wall worth of cupboards gone so I think it's really important to think about that and I was musing on why we've been so obsessed with creating these huge open plan spaces and you know what I've got a theory oh I think a little bit of TV makeover shows might be to blame. Oh, that'll be you. And obviously, I've <laughs> been involved in quite a few. Involved in quite a few. And I tell you what, there is nothing that a TV producer likes more than some footage of someone with a sledgehammer knocking a wall down. They yeah. absolutely love it because it looks amazing on telly. You've got this small room. Boof! Dramatic effect. Yeah. Take the wall out. And now you've got this really big, bright, open plan space. Where you can fit the camera crew. Which you can fit the camera crew in. And it makes a really good before and after. But actually pause for a minute. Is this really going to create you a nicer room to live in? It's really interesting because we... In this new house, we have a, a, a knock-through sitting room, which is very common to many Victorian houses. And I've actually been really quite desperate to to partition it and to close it because I don't think it's big enough to be a really grand open plan space. I think it is always going to look like two small rooms where the wall was taken out to try and make one big room, which doesn't completely work. Um, so there's been a bit of to and fro with the mad husband who doesn't want the walls to come in. And I've come up with a plan which is being built as we speak. But I absolutely like that idea of sort of cosier spaces or adaptable. You know, I wanted to do something with sliding doors, which hasn't quite panned out. But that idea that you can make spaces flexible. And also, even if we have a sort of semi-partition across the middle, that's an extra space for a table or a chair or a lamp. And that really resonated with me when you said if you'd got rid of that wall between your kitchen and your pantry, all you'd gained was more floor because you would have lost effectively at least one wall for kitchen units and possibly, I can't remember how big it is, kitchen units on the other side. So that's, that's you know, I don't know, eight cupboards you could have lost by taking out a wall. So not only that, I would have lost all that storage and I'd have had the microwave, the toaster, the Nutribullet, you know, the packets of cereal, I don't know, uh, all that on show and just be looking at it, being irritated by it all the time when actually it's hidden from view. So uh, my kitchen is smaller, but it feels nicer to be in. It's better, totally. So we've done that. Open plan living's gone. The bootlace has gone. Walls are in. Walls, Walls are, are in, in 2023. What else is out? <laughs> Shall I tell you what I think is going out? Yeah, go I'd on. like to go out. That, and I've also been saying this for a long time, that kind of modern wooden white oak. Oh, really? I've, I mean, I've never particularly been a fan of it. Well, that's a very Scandi thing, isn't it? The limed washed wood. It's quite Scandi and it's just not something I like. And obviously everybody can, can like what they like. That's not my taste. But 
Is where, this a personal vendetta? Well, or no, is this... it's, it, it, it's a bit personal, but also I think it it's going out for me personally, but I think it's being replaced with that notion of kind of second-hand vintage thrift furniture. So it's being replaced by old furniture, warmer which has a wood. patina, it's often darker, it's warmer, it's more characterful. So, yes, I, I'm pleased that it might be moving on from a personal aesthetic, but I think it's being replaced with something good, which is, you know, dragging things out of landfill um, and bringing them into your house and they've already look a bit worn. Well, you're sort of talking about two trends here. I think the whitewashed wood and maybe even all that Carrera marble as well is probably moving out with the grey trend because those are materials that look really good with that family of grey colours. And you're talking about warmer wooden tones coming in, along with this other trend, which I think is... Again, we've talked about it on this podcast before, the huge drive for more sustainable interiors. Yeah. And that's not just in materials, which things like rattan and bamboo um, continue to be really popular, but also reclaimed materials, right? And blending secondhand repurposed elements. You see, even in a very, very shishi modern interior, I think this idea of everything being squeaky, squeaky new isn't what uh, what the tastemakers are aiming for. And in fact, this is also being picked out by the House and Gardens What's Not Hot, and they call squeaky clean kitchens uh, the sort of ultra modern, all white or grey, not a single bowl on the counter. They say often the cabinets are in a high gloss polish and ever glossy appliances everywhere. And they just said it's a terrifying place to cook. <laughs> That's interesting because that ties into the Pinterest trends report which came out and I like the Pinterest ones because they are based around actual searches so that's real people looking for stuff it's not someone in a magazine office just deciding what they think is fashionable a bit like me with my white oak this is you know uh, real people searching for things and I mean it's a dreadful phrase but they are calling it hipstoric h-i-p historic it's not historic and what they mean is that notion of mixing older stuff and vintage stuff and again american thrift store finds in a more modern interior so you get this notion of it's a bit hipster but it's historic hence hipstoric and what that translates into is that search is for and i use the quote marks because this was the search eclectic interior design have gone up by 850% that's a lot of percent. <laughs> so I think that's interesting. And the other search that's gone up and had a 530% boost is the idea of mixing modern and antique. So they've kind of taken those huge searches together and now called them this trend of the historic interior, which is probably something that you and I gravitate to anyway. Um, so that doesn't for us, that doesn't so much feel like a trend as a way of life. But I'm I'm glad that that's coming through because it is, again, using that kind of old vintage and, and saving furniture. It's more sustainable. The word I'm picking up as well is that in, antiques come in there because I think we've been in quite a mid-century modern rap for quite a long time, haven't we? This sort of like um, vintage period, uh, 50s, 60s, and obviously the 70s has been really popular as well lately. But the the idea of actually bringing in something antique, which is essentially something over... I think, is it, has it got to be over 150 years to be antique? 100 for antique and 30 for vintage. Ah, oh, OK, 100 years for antique. I think that's quite interesting because that's almost like a little bit of a disruptor again, isn't it? Of things not being 
too curated within a perfect period that you could have things over a wider period of time which is essentially way more eclectic. I mean I'm really here for that one there's another Pinterest one I really like and again this is you know we talk about trends and it it's very often a repackaging of the same old thing because interiors trends actually last quite a long time. You know, it's not like fashion, which has a quicker turnaround. So you you can be less worried about investing in an interior trend because it will be here for a while. So, I mean, I always remember, you know, for me, copper was the trend that wouldn't die and then they repackaged it and called it rose gold. It was the same thing, but, you know, it kept coming back. So the, the Pinterest trend they've come up with, so as well as historic, they have weird core. So we are done with granny chic and cottage core and coastal core and whatever. We have a new core and it's weird core. Weird core? Weird core. And I mean, I don't know, you know, I thought, oh, is this that new Netflix show Wednesday? You know, are we going all Adam's family? Oh, bit gothic. What it is, is firstly, it's about things that are just a little bit different. So it might be things that are in irregular shapes or those kind of misshapen mirrors or the sort of bubble furniture or psychedelic prints. I think it's a kind of wraparound term for stuff that is not just straightforward high street what everyone else has got so it's another way of saying maybe it's a bit more of your personality or it doesn't have to be perfect I quite like the idea and they said on Pinterest that it's of clearly a proper term weird core searches are up by 540% I have never heard of this so bring in your channel your weirdness I cannot wait for some weird core psychedelia in the in the new madhouse I am here for that Kate I can't wait to see what you're going to do with this trend. Oh, I've got loads of misshapen stuff I'm not sure <laughs> (laughs) we're going psychedelic but um you know you never know well one thing that i've seen growing in popularity which is a little bit on the weird core is this sort of blobby trend wavy curvy blobby lamps and i think the reason why that's coming through is i think there's something very unthreatening and safe and lovely about a curve or a wave or a wiggle no hard edges yeah and again I just wonder you know because I love getting back to the psychology of all these trends like why is it we are reacting this way and I just wonder whether yeah all those sort of like perfect pinstripes right angle edges highly engineered you know grand designs type glassy spaces just don't feel very cosy and friendly. So yeah. Friendly blobby shapes and curves and wiggles. I'm here for that. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I th- I wrote down in my notes, I was asked to give a quote to someone and, and my two words were colour and comfort. And I think those, for me, will be the trends that are coming forward. It's choose the colours you want, although I do think there's a move towards earthy tones. And I think that's because they're warm. Now, you know, we we spoke about this before once with Colour of the Year with Dulux, I think. And, and there was a whole kind of thing about we were getting in touch with our roots and wanting to ground ourselves. And this was the colour of the year. I mean, maybe that, maybe that's it. I just think they're... They're, they're warm colours, you know, the warm earthy tones are coming in. So that yellow kitchen from uh, Beth on Facebook and, uh, you know, lots of comfort, comfortable furniture, curvy furniture. You're just trying to justify your obsession with brown. That's what's Oh, is that what here. it is? So I'm going to like, okay. yeah, right. I'm just listening to this going, this is... <laughs> Have you seen my jumper? For anyone on YouTube, I'm wearing a jumper in a beautiful shade of bitter chocolate. <laughs> It's making me feel very comfortable and cosy. Well, I'm just for a moment going to hold the flag for the colour because Pantone colour of the year for 2023 is Viva Magenta. Woo-hoo-hoo! 
Yes, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because it's being interpreted of lots of ways, though, because there are some people who are going for the absolute kind of classic magenta and there are other people who are segueing it because mm. it's a mood, isn't it, Pantone? More towards that kind of burgundy, earthy. I think there's a feeling that that kind of reds, rusty reds, earthy reds, ochre, you can put a bit more pink in it and make it magenta. Pinky red. Yeah, I see it as a pinky red. What they What they have to say is... It's a colour that vibrates with vim and vigour. It's a shade rooted in nature, descending from the red family, but with an expressive signal of strength. Viva Magenta is brave and fearless, a pulsating colour whose exuberance promotes a joyous and optimistic celebration. So there you go. That's my colour camp. I'm, I'm sitting in that camp. You can keep the browns and the earthy muted tones. I'm Viva Magenta, baby. <laughs> Love a bit of earthy muted brown. <laughs> so do get in touch to tell us about any new trends you've spotted. We love a lesser spotted micro trend. <laughs> and next week we'll be chatting to bring it back to something a little bit more serious. All things mortgages because squeak, mine is up for renewal. So um, I'm thinking all things home finance, home investments. So make sure you tune in for that. And in the meantime, do send us any requests you have for the podcast moving through 2023. What do you want to hear us talk about? You can drop us an email at thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. But for now, a huge thank you to our producer, Sarah Cadden of Feast Collective. And thanks so much to you for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.